morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Tagna, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And Drew, I'm at the remote office today, back of the house. We had a little power outage at the, at the Nashville HQ, so I'm back in the, uh, back in the command center. But uh, hey, week two, college football feels, feels like week three, right? We had week, week zero, week one, Florida State. LSU, Deion Sanders, TCU, talked a little bit about that yesterday. Now we get to talk about what teams can capitalize off of a week two victory. And Drew, if you're good, I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off and let it rip. Well, I got to ask, how how is the power out? No idea. 78 degrees. It's like the most beautiful day I think we've had here since I've moved here. It, I, I don't know. I got a, I literally got in my car. I got a I got a text from Chris Belcher, one of the producers at the office. I was getting ready to pull out. I mean, I had the had Tanny the Tahoe in reverse. He said, Hey, power's out. Scrap it. Just pull back in. Wife seemed low key disappointed, but it is what it is. You gotta adjust, you know. Please tell me you're like already loaded up the bag, the coffee. <laughs> Everything, dude. That's that's brutal. <laughs> I'm like normally brutal. two trips to the car, so now you have right. to reverse that. Oh, I know. I had my little lunchbox, had everything ready to go. You know, had the Zach Bryan rolling, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. So, um, all right, week three teams that can see some recruiting momentum. Week, week two, week two feels like week three, right? Because it is that week three early. It is week yeah. three in our heads, but it's week two on the on the schedule week three in our hearts you know for the college football faithful out there all right we'll call it week two drew the game that i feel like was so talked up last year that nobody's really like talking about as much this year dude i'm excited for this texas a&m miami game in coral gables a&m a four-point favorite I believe, on the road. How about this? Jimbo Fisher from Stats and Info here. 15-0 and in road or neutral games in the state of Florida. That would include, crazy stat. That would include the Orange Bowl from two years ago, right? Correct. Correct. Now, here's the other thing. You look at Connor Wigman. This is only going to be his second game started on the road. First one was against Auburn last year in November. 14 of 36, 121 yards. He's 3 and 0 as a starter since then. I like this matchup. You got Mawago at right tackle, a new looking offensive line for Miami. You got a stout front seven at Texas AM. Van Dyke. Only week one against Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio, a pretty good group of five opponent. I like the way Miami played, and I'll say this. Miami played clean, and they played fast. That was different than anything that I had seen from them over the last year. So I'm not going to run away with hot takes from the Miami-Ohio game, but I like the way they played. It kind of got me more excited about this game. And the little I watch of A&M against New Mexico State, it's I, I liked what they did offensively with Bobby Petrino. So 
I'm fired up about this game, but back to the topic at hand, Drew, for me, Miami can put away some of the doubters here. To me, it's kind of like week to week, right? It's like paycheck to paycheck on Miami right now, and I mean that is like you're buying equity with every win. And if you can beat a SEC West opponent, especially one that is one of the most talented teams in the country at your place, I think that can do a lot for Mario Cristobal. And I think he's one of those guys that understands that he can take advantage on the recruiting trail. So I think this is a huge game for Miami and year two. And you know what? A couple years ago, Cristobal led a underdog Oregon team into Columbus and they beat Ohio State. And not a lot of people gave them a chance in that game. I kind of I kind of like Miami in this game. My head says A&M. My intuition says Miami. I think this is a big spot for them. I think it's a chance for Mario to pick up his early signature win in Coral Gables. He needs it. And you look at where they're sitting right now, number 16 in the rankings. Lost some of the big battles they probably wanted to win there during the summer months. Now, I know they added Zaquan Patterson, who's off to a heck of a start to his senior season. Coop, I saw he was in your guys' like top five plays uh, that you that you put out. Did you? Did you <laughs> I call? Didn't, that, I didn't come up with that. Yeah, did you call that a a interception pick six or was it a forced fumble? I believe the way it read was a forced fumble. Okay, because initial reports in South Florida on Friday night were it was a pick six, and I'm like, no, the guy caught it. Zaquan was like, give me the football, and then he ran the other way (laughs) for for a touchdown. So if anyone hasn't seen what we're talking about, we're talking about top 247 safety Zaquan Patterson, who we've discussed on this show, um, just a South Florida dog. Uh, I, I think the visitors section at Hard Rock Stadium Looking at the guys at Inside the U, it's going to be pretty pretty packed. Um, LJ McRae is the big uncommitted headliner. Um, we have him right outside the top 32 for us. I think there's a good chance he could finish inside that five-star range. And now Miami is battling Georgia, Florida. Florida State's in there. Um, and I think a win for them could do wonders in that recruitment. And then I think it would give Mario Cristobal some, some ammunition, some energy to go back and, and circle back on some of these guys that they did miss out on. Maybe they finished second four um, in the summer months. So I, I think from that aspect, it, it it is absolutely huge. And then I think on the flip side, you know, did you know, or realize that Texas A&M sitting number five in the in the rankings right now? It's kind of like the, um, I don't even know what you would call it. It's kind of like the sneakiest top five ranking I can remember in a, in a while. Yeah, like they just kind of slid right up in there. Now I know they've added some, some guys recently, but I didn't realize until we started outlining this show that, that Texas A&M is number five and was talking with someone in their recruiting department a few days ago, they are they're already fishing for flips. They're looking for flips. And I think they get to two and oh, they can use that start um to make some phone calls, work work the phone. So I I think in that aspect, 
you know, both schools have a ton to gain from this game. And and really, if I'm assuming we're going to talk about Texas and Alabama later on in the show, like this would be the big game of the weekend. It just happens we got Texas and Alabama on the slate as well. But I, I agree. I, it'll be a fascinating one to watch and a ton of recruiting implications on the line. I also think they need it from get that fan base energized. That that fan base is super energized when you get on the internet, right? Whether it's message boards or social media or whatever it is. But I mean like putting putting people in the stands. I think that's important. You know, the other thing is they played 14 true freshmen last week. I was going to bring that up. And Cristobal is smart in the way, like uh, I can tell you from experience, that's that's by design. And a lot of those guys got a lot of late run. But statistically, when you're talking about it right now, people don't know that. Yeah. Right? All they well, hear is, hey, you 14 can, true freshmen. You can use that on the recruiting trail, though. Hey. Mark Fletcher, he played. Francis Mauioa, he played. I mean, there's others as well, but you can point, hey, come to Miami. We're going to play you right away. Andrew, quick question. On the broadcast, they kept saying Mauanoa. Is it Mauagoa or Mauanoa? Boots on the ground. I've heard it is Mauanoa. Really? Yep. Because I had a fit for like 10 minutes. I guess him and his brother met with Miami's sports information department, and it was relayed to the local media at some point during training camp that it's not Mauagoa, it's Mauinona, Mauinoa. I'm still working on it. It feels like the DJU stuff, feels like the Luke Cromanhawk. Um, but yes, when I initially heard that in a few podcasts, I'm like, wait, are they, they have to be doing this on purpose. So, uh, it's crazy big, because we went like two years saying Mauagoa. I you you would think at some point someone would have corrected us, but yes. And, and the final thing on on Miami, right? What does a win do for them? I don't think it, you know, ex- extinguishes all the momentum that that Florida State has after standalone win on. Labor Day weekend and in that game where they looked excellent, but you know, maybe it closes the gap a little bit, doesn't allow that gap in terms of the momentum to grow more because hey, we got our own kind of little signature win here. Um, so I think that's that's notable when I was thinking about Miami and what's at stake with Texas AM coming into town. So think about this. If they beat AM on Saturday, following games, Bethune Cookman. Temple, and then you host Georgia Tech before you have to travel to Chapel Hill in the middle of October. If you're undefeated and relevant at that point, that's a huge win for Miami. And the schedule doesn't look as hard as it as it once did, right? I mean, Clemson at home, UVA Winnable game. I think yeah. we, I think that's we yeah. can say that, right? Yeah, followed by Virginia at home and then you go to NC state and we'll see what NC state looks like against Notre Dame, but they had their issues against UConn in week one. You want to hear the craziest thing about Maui Goa? Sorry to interrupt. Is that we had his commitment on CBS sports HQ and called him Maui Goa in front of his whole family on July 4th. Yeah. Yeah. You think at that point, 
someone would have said something. But nevertheless, just a quick little nugget I found. Thank you, Lance. So are we, Noah. Are we going to my game now? My first game? Yeah, it sounds like you're getting antsy. I'll let you <laughs> well, go. I didn't know what format we're going with. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Alternative alternative play here. Okay. Alter, alternative shot. Yeah, there you go. All right. I'm going to Fox's, what do they call it? Big game? Yeah, big game of the week. Nebraska at Colorado. I didn't know we would be here, but we're here. Um, I think there's a lot at stake for both programs. Let's start with Colorado. Number 72 in the recruiting rankings, um, which I think is a product of they don't really have a ton of scholarships to work with after the complete overhaul of the roster. Steve Wiltfong, director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Cooper, I'm sure you saw this come across the wire late Wednesday night. Colorado now involved with Bryce Underwood, the number one ranked quarterback in the class of 2025. Now, he's not going to visit this weekend. I think he's going to visit for the USC game in a few weeks. I was actually just on the phone with Steve, and I'm like, is this is this you kind of strumming up page views, or, or is this legit? And he's like, no, I was talking with Bryce and his father. This is, this is absolutely real. Um, so Colorado, what they were able to do in week one, I think has helped get them a seat at the table with one of our favorite quarterback prospects, one of the more decorated quarterback prospects out there, one of the more safer quarterback prospects out there that we feel good about. I know it's the 2025 cycle. So what what can Colorado do if they go in and they start 2-0? Because I don't think anyone had Colorado 2-0, um, two games into Coach, Coach Prime's tenure. Uh, they also got some official visitors coming in. I, I've mentioned them. Previously, uh, this week on the podcast, top 247 athlete Cameron Mizell, or Michael, excuse me, uh, Amontre Bradford, two kids from Georgia. So I, I, I just think the opportunity to be 2-0, be firmly in the national conversation, right? Travis Hunter with the Heisman talk, Shitter Sanders with the Heisman talk, like, can they keep this going? And transfer portal as well, like recruiting podcasts player personnel podcast, roster management podcast, whatever you want to want to call it. But another game where kids around the country are going to see, hey, I can go to Colorado, I can play, and I can have success. I think that would do wonders for the buffs on the recruiting trail. So I think I know I'll have that on the TV in that, in that noon slate, but definitely Colorado has a, a lot to gain on Saturday. A game is going to be crazy, going to be crazy. I mean, it will be sold out, Folsom Field. Colorado is just like a program that has just been resuscitated. You know, with Deion Sanders, he's only in his second game, but that atmosphere is going to be nuts. You you see how much you talked about it. Tickets are going for like $333. There you go. It's just nuts to me because, I mean, during my time and in the Pac-12, Colorado is just kind of a dormant program. Yeah, they have a rich tradition, too. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating to see everything that's happening. I think the other thing is, you said it, like if you were to ask who were the best portal teams out there, maybe three teams come to mind. Florida State, Ole Miss, USC, those are the three that, that come to mind immediately for me. Point being is, those are maybe – 
two or three teams that have cemented themselves as like, all right, these are programs that you want to play. You're going to get really good exposure. And they have a proven track record with their usage of the portal. Colorado can be one of those teams. I mean, the other thing, we love to talk about Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter. How about the other cats? How about Jimmy Horn? My guy. Xavier Weaver. I mean, they had four guys with over 100 yards receiving, right? And then as a true freshman, you got Dylan Edwards with four touchdowns, 135 yards receiving. They kind of got a good mix going. And I think Deion Sanders, Drew, is going to be a, a thorn in a lot of people's side with like Cormani McLean's recruitment was kind of like a precursor. You got Miami, you got Alabama in the mix, and then all of a sudden, think about how much time was invested between those two programs, and it's Colorado who gets it done at the end of the day. Think, think about how much time and resources has been invested into Bryce Underwood by LSU and Michigan. I know. I know. I was thinking that exact same thing. In and Alabama. You, in Alabama. And now it's like, you know, you pick up the phone if you're Joe Sloan or Mike Denbrock or one of these guys, and it's like, I don't know, Colorado's in this? And they might not be filling out a full recruiting class of 25 guys. But you know what? If you're going to play for Colorado, then it's like, yeah, you kind of got to fit the description of what Dion's looking for. And those are going to be really quality players. So he's always looking to make a splash. That's that's kind of what makes him dangerous. So that's Colorado in this game. Then you got Nebraska. Oh, I, I, I have a take on, on this. I know okay. you do too. Sorry. But I think mine's going to be the opposite of of what you're going to say. Nebraska's number 23 in the rankings. I don't think it would be ideal for Matt Rule to start 0-2. Now, I, I think the schedule gets a little bit easier as you go on. Although, week three, Northern Illinois at home just beat Boston College. I, I just think... You don't want to be trying to sell 0-2 right away. It's difficult, but I think if you are a reasonable person, you can look at week one and say that you've already seen some growth right in Nebraska. Week two, I think it's going to come down to, like, all right, is this going to be a, another competitive game? I don't think an 0-2 start, and I know you're not saying this, is like a doomsday scenario for Nebraska. I'm not. No, I know. And I think it's, for Matt Rule, it's all about process, right? It's going to be process-oriented. And one loss here, one win here is not going to break the camel's back, right? And it's staying true to who we are, continuing to chip away. And that's going to be their their kind of North Star, which guides him on the field and off the field as well. So for me, I'm expecting this game to be a fourth quarter game, competitive. And I expect a little bit more offensively from Nebraska than than what we saw last week. I would assume they're going to try to run the football. Do you have thoughts on, on Marcus Satterfield? 
I know we're kind of off-roading a little bit, but it just the South Carolina experiment was weird last year. And I, yeah. I would have loved to be a fly on the wall. Like, if you look at Spencer Rattler's last three games, I mean, they went from averaging 28 points to 44 points. And then his TD, TD to INT ratio was completely flipped. It was drastic. So I don't know if something happened with the play calling duties within the building or what. But if Marcus Satterfield was the guy with the controls of the last three games of the season, I'd love to see that dude in Lincoln. Yeah, I, I don't. I didn't know we'd go here. I don't. I don't really have much take on the. No, all good. On the on the play calling. All right. Any any other? Um, I didn't even didn't even let you get your say in, on Nebraska, or did you? No, that that was just my point. Like, I don't think zero two is ideal. I think at the end of the day, Nebraska just needs to make a bowl game. I think that that is where it'll be measured in success. And you can't stack the losses early on. But really, I brought this game up for Colorado. Prime time. Prime time. But there is there is some to it for for the Cornhuskers. Let me bring this up. It seems like these two have been taking digs at each other all offseason, right? Yeah. All right. So there's something there. That's going to be fun. I don't think those guys could be any more different, which is what makes this game a little bit more exciting to watch. All right, before we get to our next game, reminder, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast with Cooper Patagna, Andrew Ivins, producer Lance Glenn, always doing a great job as well. And for producer Lance Glenn, make sure you smash that subscribe button. Also, if you have a question on Mailbag Wednesdays, that is the place to do it. We need some more questions. I know it's college football season, but recruiting never sleeps. That is the place to do it. Make sure you ask your questions there. Guys, we are approaching... Producer Lance, can we get you in here? Are we at 700,000 downloads yet, or is that a little ambitious? That is a great question. I haven't looked this morning yet, but I will take a look and give me a minute. Yeah, come back to us. No rush. get right back in the room, and we'll let you know exactly what number we're at. All right. In the meantime, we'll go to our next game. How about this, Drew? Our boys down there in New Orleans, Tulane, hosting Ole Miss. And let me tell you this. This is like the biggest game, I think, in my livelihood of being a New Orleanian who grew up a few blocks away from Tulane's campus. Tulane Ole Miss, two ranked teams here, top 25. That game is going to be fun. I There's a part of me that's like, I think Tulane can pull this off. I think they're more than capable of pulling this off. I like the way they played South Alabama last week. Recruiting angle? Drew, when I put this game on here, it wasn't even about Ole Miss. I love the way Ole Miss is recruiting. Ole Miss is expected to win this game. Tulane, on the other hand, to me, has a chance to really tighten their grip on one of the namestays in group of five. And if they can pull this off, I think they stamp it. I'm starting to get like a Boise feel out of Tulane. Like, nobody wants a piece of these dudes. They're talented. They can recruit the state of Louisiana in terms of talent identification and evaluation. They play up a level, and they're doing a better job in the transfer portal as well. To me, 
it should have been last year when they won the Cotton Bowl and they had the season that they had. I think Willie Fritz is legit. In order to to really kind of cement yourself in that status, it comes from continuity. You got to do it over and over and over again. If Tulane can pull this off, Drew, I mean, I think this is going to have huge positive implications for the program. You're saying they would become the G5 power, hands down. I'm saying you can look around and say, well, who is it? And I say, I be, the other part of this is Central Florida's gone. SMU's going to the ACC. SMU's going to the ACC. Houston's in the Big 12. There was a coaching yeah. change at Coastal. I think Coastal had the runway. Right. Right. Coaching change. You know, we'll see what happens with Oregon State and Washington State. But right now, like in that part of the country, in the Southeast, even nationally, I think Tulane, along with like Texas San Antonio, I think is in a good spot as well. But like, I really think, I really think this could, could be huge for them and then setting up success for the rest of the season as well. You got to point out they beat South Alabama in week one. And I think South Alabama was kind of pushing towards that conversation. Convincingly, too. Can I give you an interesting nugget that you probably won't hear on the broadcast about this game? Let's hear it. Michael Pratt, quarterback, Tulane. Lane Kiffin was at Florida Atlantic when Michael Pratt was a senior. And Michael Pratt started off at Boca Raton High School, home of Mark Richt. It is less than a mile from where FAU Stadium is. FAU never pushed for Michael Pratt. Little revenge game, I think, maybe for Pratt. I'm I'm sure he's happy where he's at at Tulane. You know, we had really Fritz on the podcast explain that whole recruitment to us back in the what was that summer months, spring months. Um, That's right. Yep. But a little little revenge factor there, I think. For for Pratt, little revenge for game. Sure. Um, I, I I think I when you sent this or you you put this game in the rundown, I didn't know what direction you were going to go, but I I do think that makes sense. We've always talked about how Tulane evaluates, how they are ahead of the curve, and what's really impressive about their success is there are playmakers around the country at Power Five programs that were committed to Tulane that ended up flipping elsewhere late in the cycle. Uh, Jalen Lucas at Indiana, C.J. Donaldson at West Virginia, Gabe Akis at Illinois. I mean, the list goes on and on. So a win here against an SEC program, maybe it helps you hold on to those guys a little bit longer. Maybe it the boosters buy in a little bit more, gets you a little more NIL funding. So no, that's that's a great point there, Cooper. Glad you highlighted this game. They got a new locker room. It, I mean, getting things done around there from an athletic standpoint, it is not easy. I mean, Willie Fritz talked about that, right, on the podcast with the facilities and the investment. They're starting to see a little bit of that return. I mean, they were able to keep Michael Pratt home because of NIL. Yeah, it's a huge game for him. And for Ole Miss, I like what Ole Miss is doing on the recruiting trail. You know, they just got to keep doing what they're doing. I mean, that game against Mercer last week, I think, was over in the first quarter. How many points did they put up? Over 70? Yeah, who was the transfer receiver that had four touchdowns? I was just looking at the game notes. I'm going to have to go back and look at that. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. All right. 
Drew, who do you got next? Well, my list isn't as good as yours because you you had first dibs. Um, sticking on Fox, Oregon at Texas Tech. I don't I don't feel great about this one, but I, I did find some angles. You know, Red Raiders number twenty nine in the rankings. They lose week one in a difficult game at at Wyoming. Kind of a weird game. Seventeen zero lead. End up losing in overtime. I think they're going to be fine. But like with Nebraska, 0-2 start would not be ideal for Joey McGuire when it seems like they're kind of turning the corner, rounding the corner, um, and emerging as a as a power there in, in the Lone Star State. Micah Hudson, one of the few remaining uncommitted five stars. Everyone has kind of just been waiting for him to to pick Texas Tech. Does he have a different outlook on the program if they're 0 and 2? Does he have a different outlook on the program if he's 0 and 2 and Texas goes into Tuscaloosa and beats Alabama? I don't know. I'm just hypothetically thinking. Uh, looked at the visitors list for the Red Raiders. Seems like lots of 2025. So the reason why I got Texas Tech, Oregon, just because optics perspective i like with nebraska don't think you want an zero and two start i don't think that's going to sink them but certainly wouldn't be ideal and then for oregon playing in the state of texas you know they signed six prospects last year from the lone star state have two committed in the 24 cycle and they got another committed in 2025 and every time we talk about dan landing and the ducks just how he's recruiting nationally moving to the Big Ten, Texas is going to have to remain good to them. They're going to have to continue to go down and win recruiting battles there. So the opportunity for them to win a game in-state, maybe it's not the game everyone's eyes are going to be on this weekend, but some of those 2025s that are going to be in the recruiting section for Texas Tech could very well end up being targets for Oregon. If I was Oregon, I, I would have preferred Tech to win that game against Wyoming would have made me feel a little bit better. I, I think there's created sense of urgency. You have this game at home. There is a ton of momentum behind the Texas Tech program, even with that loss. And then the other part you bring up, Micah Hudson. Andrew, from an NIL perspective, is there a better place to be than Micah Hudson? Texas Tech, Texas, two in-state yeah. programs with deep pockets and one that really needs you in Texas Tech? I'm sure he's in a very advantageous situation right now. I agree with everything you said. I really like the point of what you made about Oregon and, and the recent success that they've had in the state of Texas. I think this is a, a critical game for them, not only from a national perspective. I mean, this, this is a program that I feel like a lot of people feel confident about has a, the ability to to get out of the Pac-12 that went 13-0 and in week one. Highly competitive conference this year and represent them in the college football playoff. And to me, they had the recipe, right? They're in year two. They had the continuity. The roster's in a better spot than it was last year, and they have the quarterback. I think this is going to be a I think this is going to be a back and forth game. I, I think this has kind of wild game written all over it. But Oregon's got to find a way to come out on top. All right. Who's your game three? You're, yeah, you're this is yeah, your final game. Three, game. The softball, yeah. Alabama, Texas. 
How about this, Andrew? Stats and info again. Alabama, Texas. Let me look this up. There's only, I'm trying to think of the quarterbacks that have beaten Nick Saban since 2008 in Tuscaloosa. 2019, Joe Burrow. 2015, Chad Kelly. 2012, Johnny Manziel. 2011, Jarrett Lee, Jordan Jefferson. Really wouldn't count them. I'd probably give that win to LSU's defense and special teams. 2010, Cam Newton. So take out Jarrett Lee and Jordan Jefferson. You got Cam Newton, Johnny Menzel, Chad Kelly, and Joe Burrow. That's how good Alabama is at home. I mean, they're really, really difficult to beat, so you got to bring your A game. That game against Rice wasn't too encouraging, but it happens. Uh, You know, I'm not going to overreact. I think Texas has the pieces on the perimeter. Offensive line's got to play better. We know what their quarterback's capable of doing. Defensively, they got to play a clean game. What is a seven-point line right now for Alabama? Yeah, who are you taking? I like Alabama to win, but I like Texas to cover. And um, I think this is pretty easy to see who this could mean more for. I mean, Alabama is the team that has the benefit of the doubt. They're still ranked in the top four, and until anybody outside of Kirby Smart kind of knocks Nick Saban off that that mountaintop, you know, that's where they're going to be. Steve Sarkeesian in Texas, they're taking their program to the SEC next year. And they've recruited really well. To me, this game is about the point of attack. And that's what I want to see. And last year, there were no questions. Texas belonged, right? Not only belonged. I mean, Texas make a very good argument that they should have won that game. Quinn Ewers doesn't go down. So I I think both teams are already recruiting their ass off, you know. Um, But in terms of what this does, not from like if they win this game, then this is going to move the needle with player X or player Y. But if they win this game, we all know Texas is is here to play, right? I mean, this is a very difficult arena to win in. And to me, this shows that they're ready. I don't want to see them compete. I don't want to see them lose by one point. I am so sick and tired of the moral victories with Texas. At some point, just put your money where your mouth is and win this type of game. You want to be the dog? You want to be a national champion? This is the team, one of the teams you're going to have to go through. And it's year three. It's year three. It's not year two. It's not year one. It's year three. I got a lot of expectations for this team if they want to be the team that is revered in that way that's going to strike fear in SEC opponents then they got to win these type of games. It's a put-up-or-shut-up type of game for me with Texas. Recruiting section is going to be packed, too. Terry Bussey in town on his official visit to Alabama. One of the – what are there's like five uncommitted five-stars. He's one of them set to announce at the end of the month. Texas A&M leads on the crystal ball. Alabama, I think this is the recruitment you kind of – 
you watch out for, right? With what they're able to do, their closing power, usually. And then, have you seen the list of quarterbacks that are, are expected to be in Tuscaloosa? I have not. <laughs> oh, man. George McIntyre, our number two quarterback there in the 25 cycle. K.J. Lacey, Texas commit. Julian Lewis, number one ranked quarterback in 2026. And Jared Curtis, number two ranked quarterback in 2026. That's all courtesy of, of Bama 247. Those, those guys are expected. I think you bring up a lot of good points there, Cooper. Um, I'm interested to see how what Texas looks like because I, I just get this feeling that Alabama is going to be like the energy in that stadium is going to be something else. Like this, this feels not like a, a rally cry from Alabama's fan base, but they'll show up for this one. It's like a, it's a weird, when's the last time Alabama had to play in a we're still here type of game? Exactly, right? That, isn't that what this feels like? For sure. It's a reminder. You know, you had a lot of people like Josh Payton and I talked about this in the office. He's got Alabama in the college football playoff. I think their ceiling is like 10 and 2. And I think this game is going to be a huge indicator of where Alabama kind of falls. I think I think it's going to be low scoring. I'm also that- prepared to come away from this game regardless of the result and say I don't think either of these teams are as good as we think they are. I think they're good, but are either of these teams national championship caliber? And there's a big difference between what we've seen in the college football playoff and being a college football playoff team and being a national championship team. You got to remember that. That line is super thin. That's all I'm saying. And I think what is going to happen is going to be a massive overreaction either way. Texas wins. You know what's coming. They're back. Alabama wins. They've never gone anywhere at all. They're here. They ain't going anywhere. It's like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for all that, but we'll see. So, Okay, call your shot here. We're familiar this with game? the... No, no, yeah. You already said, I'm not looking for a score. Yeah. Which freshman, true freshman, either team has the best game? I think some... Caleb Downs is going to be the guy that's highlighted for sure. Um, you, got, you got Downs, Baxter, Proctor, Jonte Cook maybe. Yeah, I would say Anthony Caleb Hill. Downs in terms of like you're gonna you're gonna notice and feel the impact. You're gonna see you're gonna see him one way or the other, just because of how much you you feel like all right, Texas is going to try to strain Alabama's secondary. And then the other one is like I think Cedric Baxter is made for this type of game. He's an SEC back, physical north south runner. Yeah, I'm excited about him. So I would say those two. I mean. It's not a shock at all. The other thing, Andrew, I don't know if you've seen it. Did you see Caden Proctor last week? And I'm not talking about like reviewing the tape. I'm just saying, did you did you see what he looked like physically? Yeah, but the transformation where I'm like, oh my gosh, is JC Latham. And I don't know how I get, I get that. JC Latham is a freak, but that's what year three or year four in the program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yes, I get what you're saying with Caden, but 
I saw a clip of JC Latham and I just remember him being this leaner guy originally built himself as a defensive lineman when he, when he showed up at, at IMG Academy. And it's like, you look at him now and then you listen to the guys that do the NFL draft. And it's just like, it's just like, yeah, man, like he is, he's a freak. I don't know how old Proctor is. I don't know if he's 19 yet. Doesn't really make a difference either way. He was one of the more like, I think that was probably the most difficult decision we had to make on the top of the position board between Proctor and Malanoa. And they're both starting in premier games week two. It's easy. And that's the thing. You both, right. You, you, both those guys were layups, right? To an extent. Yeah. It's just kind of, it's, it's kind of crazy because both those guys don't look like true freshmen at all. Okay. Final thing on this game. You think there's going to be an overreaction either way. I'm planning for it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Which is fair. Let's say, let's say Alabama comes out convincing win. Right. Caden Proctor looks awesome. Caleb Downs looks awesome. Like, is is the reaction like Alabama? Why are we doubting Alabama? Like, this is the next wave of 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 difference makers. Yeah, I think I I I think that's a fair assessment of what the reaction can be if it's a convincing win. To me, I want to know if. Can Jalen Milrow beat Texas from the pocket? What if he doesn't need to? There you go. Then that tells me something else, right? And then I think the other part of this is we've talked a lot about Alabama, their new look offensive line, what we expect out of it. This is a really good front they're going to see at Texas. That gave them a lot of trouble last year. So I think we'll I think we'll learn a lot in this game. I guess what I'm saying is. I wouldn't be shocked if whatever whatever way it turns out, if we come back and say, like, it is week two, you know, let's let's kind of recalibrate and say, all right, this is this is not an all or nothing game and the fact that we gotta crown somebody the the national champion in week week two. All right, one final thought or one guy I'll, I'll have my eye on. Cause I don't know if you realized what he did in in week one. Amari Nyblack tight end for Alabama top 247 Amari Nye Black right do you remember that evaluation oh very much so how could I forget we had to list him as an athlete because there were some people telling us that the Crimson Tide liked him at linebacker well week one leads the Crimson Tide tight ends and targets and he's kind of exactly what I thought he was a a certified freak um excited about his potential because he he was he was one where there were like wasn't a ton of footage on him. I remember I saw him at a seven on seven tournament just dominating. And the only school that was recruiting him at this point was like FIU. FIU legitimately thought they were getting this kid. Now fast forward, he has an excellent senior season ends up at Alabama, uh, finished in the top 100 for us. But I think he could have a big season in store with that with that offense. 
I'm trying to think of the last time Alabama had one of those guys at tight end. Immediately, the two names I think of are Herb Smith Jr. and O.J. Howard, who's a little bit taller at six foot six, but more of the guys that were like high volume pass catching tight end hybrid types. Been a while, right? Tommy Reese, I think I, I think you can expect the tight ends are gonna are gonna see a little bit more uh, volume coming their way. And this feels like a game where he could get a ton of a ton of looks. Speaking of tight ends, I love the other one on the other side, Jatavian Sanders. What a dog he is! Former five star out of out of Denton Ryan. All right, Drew. Last game. Who do we got? Well, I'm sticking in the uh, in the Yellow Hammer State again. I had picks four, five, six for this exercise, which is fine. Um, going out to California, Auburn going to face Cal. We discussed this game a little bit with. The DeAndre Carter, 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, ESPN. Um, this is all about the Tigers. Number 14 in the rankings. It's been a huge five or six weeks for them on the recruiting trail. Like I said, added DeAndre Carter, flipped Perry Thompson from Alabama, flipped Demarcus Riddick from Georgia. Also got TJ Lindsey, Dimitri Nichols, two interior defensive linemen in the boat. I think uh, they, they need to pick up a win here, and, and why? Sanford at home next week, you're 3-0, and and you got to stack the wins because this the games after Sanford, I mean, dear God, at Texas A&M, Georgia at home, by at LSU, Ole Miss at home, and much like with Matt Rule in Nebraska, like I think the key for Auburn here is is making a bowl game, and you got to win at Cal. So that, that's that's why I got this game on here. Just more of keeping the momentum going from what you've been able to do here on the recruiting trail. I still think Auburn is going to be one of the most dangerous teams leading up to the early signing period when we talk about flips. Easier to have a heavy spatula, you know, when you know you're going to make a bowl game when you are starting 3-0 because that that four-game stretch following the FCS game is has to be one of the most difficult in the country. I know it's North Texas, but this is a pretty strong statement from Cal coming out of the gates. Jay Knott from Norco, sophomore year, one of the best true freshman running backs in the country last season. He's a dude. I think he had a little bit. Uh, took a little bit of a shot at Auburn this week. I think already. I'm gonna have to go back and figure out that what he what he said. But I, I found kind of, it. Yeah, a name doesn't mean anything in reference to watching Auburn on tape. There you go. Love that. ACC football just means more, you know. Yeah, this um, from a recruiting standpoint. I mean, Auburn. If they can just stay on track, Drew, I completely agree. Because that schedule, I mean, you talked about after the Sanford game, A&M, Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. I actually think they'll win one out of those four games. And then you got Mississippi State, toss-up game for me. Vandy, I think they can win that one. Arkansas on the road. And then New Mexico State and Alabama. So also think Auburn's going to be one of those teams. Like, they're going to get better and better every week. Right, a little bit more familiarity, a little bit more comfort, not only with the coaching staff and the players, but vice versa. I think continuity is going to help. 
You know, you got the Robbie Ashford wrinkle in there with Peyton Thorne. It's a big game for them, I think, just in terms of maybe not in terms of recruiting implications, but in terms of putting the best possible season together, they got to win this game. Yeah, like good vibes. Correct. You need to vibes. You need to keep the the vibes on the recruiting trail. Right. right? You can't go out and let Jaden Ott run for a buck 50 and lose. Because a lot of eyes are going to be a lot of eyes are going to be on that game at ten thirty. I wonder what that environment is going to be like. One of my buddies, Auburn, played at Auburn. He was going to go out and go to wine country, but couldn't couldn't swing it. I <laughs> I don't anticipate it being a rowdy environment there. I think we're going to have some weird games. I think the. Tulane Ole Miss is going to be fireworks. Oregon, Texas Tech just seems like it's going to be one of those back and forth type games. And I think this game, late slate, the ghost of the Pac 12 after dark non conference, Auburn and Berkeley, this game is going to be a little funky. Well, those are the games. I mean, some other ones on my radar Notre Dame at NC State, noon in Raleigh. What happens there? Uh, I had another I'm one. Kinda, dude, I'm kind of buying up a lot of stock in Notre Dame right now. Okay. Okay. I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a uh, one to keep an eye on. You brought this program up a little while ago. Texas State at, at UTSA. Won't get a lot of eyeballs, but some storylines there. And then uh, real quick, Drew, GJ Kenny wins that game, and then Texas State is bowl eligible after one year. I mean, how long is he there? That's a difficult job for them to beat Baylor, and then you know, UTSA is legit. I gotta give a shout out to my my guy who's the DC at, at Texas State, Jonathan Patkey from the Manny Diaz tree. I, I had no idea until last night I looked up. I was wondering who who was on staff for Texas State, and he's there. Plays that same system as as Diaz, you know, very aggressive up front. Any other games on your radar? What do we got? UCF Boise State that almost made the that almost made the cut. It's in Boise, right? Yeah, but UCF. I mean, really good, really good month and a half on the recruiting trail. Difficult schedule. I mean, they they travel west of the Mississippi. I think four or five times, and this is just going to be the reality with conference realignment, but got to stack wins. Um, I like UCF. Okay. Not in that game. I'm just saying in general, I kind of like what they got going on right now. I think Boise matches up well with UCF. UCF is going to want to run the ball. As we saw, Boise State can't defend the pass. And I know when they went up against Washington, that's one of the best passing attacks out there. I won't be watching it, but you know what game has serious fun potential? SMU, Oklahoma. SMU's good. Their quarterback, I think, what's his name? Diamond Stone? Isn't is that Diamond Stone? You know what? Diamond, Diamond, Stone, Diamond Stone is a former Maryland basketball player. That's why I had the name Diamond Stone in my head. Preston Stone. Preston Stone is really good. He's a really good quarterback. That game could be really fun. That's on my radar. I won't be watching, but that, that, that game could be really fun. 
as could Wisconsin and Washington State. Okay. I thought this was fascinating yesterday, and, and it came from The Athletic, but it was in our in our group chat. There was not an FCS-FBS upset in week one. You have any you have any thoughts, takeaways on that? No, Brandon Huffman brought that up, and I think it's think it's a great point. I mean, I think a lot of those I mean, I don't think those FCS rosters are getting rated. Right. So you're seeing a matriculation from the FCS up to the FBS at every level. I mean, the teams that like Texas State we just talked about, right? Those guys gotta grab their guys from somewhere too. And I know they got TJ Finley and you know, Billy Joe Hobart's son who came over from Wazoo at some point, but it's like, what, what was the, the other part of that stat is like, that hadn't happened. Right. And yeah, however many years. And that, that came from the athletic got a right. I got my eye on one for this weekend though. All right. Last one. What do we got? <laughs> Florida A&M and USF. I got my eyes on the, on the Rattlers in that spot. Golesh is your guy, though. Golesh is my guy, but Florida A&M, they're pretty good. All right. Well, why don't we end on that one? Florida A&M, shout out one time. Diamond Stone, we're getting delirious here at 55 minutes into the podcast. Guys, make sure to subscribe to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast wherever you find your podcast, Spotify, Apple included. Also, make sure to smash that subscribe button. Leave a review. If you have a question, that is the place to do it. So for my guy, Andrew Ivins, our 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, for producer Lance Glenn, I'm Cooper Patagna. It is Thursday. That means we will see you next week. Have a great weekend of college football. And the NFL is back, too. All right, guys, take care.